The Cottonwood Project presents Minty Nothing More, The House on Rocky Ridge Written and read by B.T. Higgins Chapter 3 Minty did not own a bag to pack her belongings. She found a wooden crate into which she piled her three dresses, four shirts, and two pairs of pants. She added the bathing suit, too. The crate would have to do. Then she repacked everything and put the underwear at the bottom. All the colors had faded to the same brownish-gray color. More the color of the island's soil than the dye they had originally displayed. She cast her eyes around for anything else that belonged to her. Her hat. A few cleaning supplies. Rise of the Sea Empire belonged to the town library. Minty set the book on top of her folded dresses. Anything else. She had stopped playing with toys long ago, but none of them had belonged to her. The sun had only just begun to lighten the horizon. Minty had already washed her bedsheets and hung them to dry. She sat on the stripped mattress in the girls' dormitory, listening to the sound of sleep. Her hands flexed and gripped each other, brimming with nervous energy. She went to the kitchen and wrapped three pieces of leftover fry bread in a cloth. Minty wondered if Granny Shin ate fry bread. What did extremely old people eat? Minty had never seen a person as old as Granny Shin. When she had seen her from a couple hundred feet away, she had appeared stooped, gray-haired and brown-skinned. That was the grand total of what she knew about Granny Shin. That and the stories, if they were true. Why did she have to write that letter? Minty had memorized it. She mumbled the words to herself in the dark kitchen. What exactly did she show an aptitude for? A small part of Minty felt excited to be given an apprenticeship. The best jobs in Anchortown required them, but openings were few and far between. Most fifteen-year-olds couldn't find one and had to scrape together a living like Peanut Boy in the market. Minty wondered if he had some land or gathered the wild nuts from the brushlands. What exactly did Granny Shin do? Minty had never heard that she had a trade or craft, only that she saved thousands of people during the plague, or plagues. Minty remembered all the dates carved into the cliff. How did she feed herself? How would she feed Minty? A new fear came into Minty's mind. She added it to the list which had grown quite long. Minty repeated the items until she couldn't bear to be still any more. The new broom leaned against the wall in the closet. Minty took it and began sweeping. Her heart calmed with the familiar pace of the work. Her brain settled a little more with each room. Minty didn't need the dustpan, for the rooms were already perfectly clean. Heavy, slow feet sounded on the steps. Mr. Blick descended from his bedroom on the top floor. He groaned when he reached the bottom. Minty is sweeping the floor, he whispered. Didn't you do that last night after dinner? Minty clutched the broom handle. You are going to miss me. Admit it. That doesn't sound like something I would do, Mr. Blick said, but he smiled fondly at Minty. Come, let's make breakfast. Mr. Blick hummed when he cooked. Songs of the sea and sailors, sometimes songs that Minty didn't recognize. She thought he composed them as he worked. 
Maybe to distract from his pain. Maybe he just loved the music. Minty could not remember a day where she hadn't heard Mr. Blick humming something. Minty chopped green onions and gathered eggs from the chicken coop. Minty blinked. Breakfast had been eaten and cleaned up after. She wanted things to slow down, but before she could blink again, she had set her crate in the back of the wagon. Some of the kids waved goodbye from the doorway. Others hadn't even said goodbye. Minty blinked, and the wagon crested the hill onto the bluff. She couldn't slow it down, and she couldn't focus. Mr. Blick engaged the wagon brake. Minty looked up and caught sight of the cliff path. How had they gotten here so fast? She breathed and felt her mind thrumming in circles. We aren't saying goodbye, Mr. Blick said. Minty looked over at him. They sat together on the wagon bench. She didn't remember getting into the wagon, but now it was time to get out of it. What? Minty whimpered. She closed her mouth. We live in the same town. You can visit any time, Mr. Blick was saying. Minty saw his eyes were teary. What did you say? Minty asked. Her voice had not steadied. Just blubbering, Mr. Blick said. Nothing important. I don't want to go, Mr. Blick. Minty buried her face in his shoulder. I know, he said. He let Minty cry a few tears into his sleeve and then said, Be brave. Minty straightened up. The path is very narrow and steep, but it's only a hundred feet up. Minty looked up the path. Mr. Blick climbed out of the wagon and took her crate out of the back. He slowly walked around to her side of the wagon and nodded up to her. Minty climbed down. Brave? Minty whispered. That doesn't sound like me. They began to walk up the path, which had stairs cut into the rock. Minty set her jaw and climbed toward her new life. The town dropped away over Minty's left shoulder. The cliff face scraped against her other shoulder. Mr. Blick followed behind her, carrying her crate. Minty felt dizzy from the height before they turned up the first switchback. She gasped and touched the cliff to steady herself. Don't look down, Mr. Blick said. He groaned as his knees cracked. Minty forced her gaze to stick to the next stair and the next. Each step had been carved out of the volcanic rock. She felt the sharpness of the porous rock even through her sandals. The narrowness of the path made it feel as if the cliff were trying to push her off. The higher they climbed, the sharper the wind became, adding to the feeling of insecurity. She turned the next switchback. The houses of the town, and especially the river factories, had transformed from windows and front doors to roof lines and chimneys. Minty found it difficult not to look down. Nearly there, Mr. Blick grunted, more to himself. Minty would have turned to take the crate from him if that action didn't feel so dangerous. Keep going. Minty climbed the next step and slipped on loose pebbles. She dropped forward so that she wouldn't slide off the path. Her knees struck the ground first. Then her two palms slapped the next stair. It took a moment to breathe again. Loose gravel on a path like this. No wonder she never comes down. This stair is a menace. It should be swept up immediately. I imagine it erodes out of the cliff, Mr. Blick said. Minty stood and dusted her hands off. The rock had cut into her knee. A trickle of blood ran down her shin. 
I'm fine, Minty told Mr. Blick, without turning toward him. She resumed her climbing with an angry determination. What kind of person would live in a place like this? Minty gnawed on that thought while she climbed the last twenty steps. Suddenly the wall angled back and the path turned onto a vast, grassy shelf in the mountain. Minty took several steps away from the edge and turned to see Mr. Blick cresting the last stair. Sweat dripped from his forehead. A pained look twisted his face. Nice view, though, Mr. Blick said, his voice in complete contrast to his face. Minty looked past him and gasped. The town spread out below her like a living map. People were walking through the streets and some were gazing up at her. They looked small. Minty realized she had never climbed this high before. Anchor Town on the bluff had been her summit. The cliff gave her an unimpeded view of the ocean, which was stunning. Beautiful tropical water, sparkling green shifting to deep blue in the depths. The harbor lay to her left, behind the protection of the cove. The wind slapped the sails and rigging. Somehow Minty could see the harbor more clearly than ever before, even though she was farther away. Two more islands lay on the horizon, one taller than the other, like a mother and her child. Minty had never seen the smaller one before. There are two islands, Mr. Blick, she pointed. Minty had only been able to see the taller one, called Bird Spire, from the highest window at the orphanage. Did you know about the second? Minty looked at Mr. Blick. His eyes flashed upward as he thought, I think so, he said, but I can't remember now what it is called. That's amazing, Minty said. All my life I thought there was only Bird Spire. The world is full of islands, Mr. Blick said. I know that much, Minty straightened up. I meant nearby. Of course, Mr. Blick said. It is named Long Reef, said a harsh voice. Minty spun around toward the sound. An old lady with long gray hair sat on a stone bench. The tall grass nearly hid her altogether. Her face was deeply wrinkled and leathery brown. She coughed several times and spat into the grass. It is much larger than it appears. Her voice sounded sweeter now, though still raspy. Whatever she had coughed up had made the change. It stretches far to the south and has three volcano peaks. The southernmost volcano erupted when I was a girl. It darkened the sky to blackness and rained ash on us like snow. What is snow? Minty asked. Granny Shin studied her closely. Mr. Blick, what education has she been given? Reading and math, I guess, Mr. Blick said defensively. Same as all the children. Why would she need to know about snow? It was just a question, Granny Shin said, not an accusation. Mr. Blick raised an eyebrow to disagree, but then let it go. Minty, this is Granny Shin. Granny Shin? Minty, nothing more. Granny Shin examined Minty. Minty flinched at the mention of her last name. I remember the day you were born, child, said Granny Shin. The joy floated on the tragedy like oil on water. Your mother survived by sheer determination. She would see you before she succumbed. She had such strength, even as her body eroded like sand. 
Granny Shin lifted two hands twisted by arthritis. She tried to cradle the baby that she remembered, but her fingers could barely move. She dropped them back to her lap. I wrapped you in a blanket and held you out to your mother, but she refused. Your mother didn't want to give you the sickness. I knew that you had most likely been exposed already, but she refused. Minty listened in shock. I sat with your mother. You suckled a rag dipped in milk. She spent her last hour with you, singing lullabies. She had the voice of a songbird. Then something let go inside her body, and she left that shattered shell. Minty's breath caught in her throat. My mother sang to me? Yes. Granny Shin stood up from the bench with great effort. Minty slipped into the memory as if it were happening now. She stood at the bedside of her mother, listening. She came back to the present when she felt Granny's rough hands grasping one of her wrists. Minty focused on the old lady. Her eyes were alight with curiosity. Granny's grasp had no strength, her fingers no dexterity. What are you doing? Minty asked. She nearly pulled her hands away. The aptitude is detectable in several places, but most commonly in the hands. Granny Shin opened Minty's fist and examined her hand as if it were a book. They were pale, freckled, and calloused from broom and rag. Minty saw nothing special. Granny Shin lifted and stretched the skin of her palm, and then on the back of her hand. She spread each finger and peered between them. Finally, she squeezed the tip of each finger. My hands are ordinary, Minty said, wondering if Granny Shin had gone a little crazy. I don't know what you are looking for, but I'm sure there's nothing on my hands. Granny Shin looked up. Interesting that you cannot feel it, Granny said. Feel what? Minty said. Very interesting, said Granny Shin. Much of the knowledge was lost. Granny dropped Minty's hand and stared into her left eye. Then she examined the right eye. Stop blinking so much, Minty. My vision is not so sharp as it used to be. Minty held her eyes open until they stung from the breeze. That's good, Granny Shin said. She turned toward Mr. Blick. Have you had her cleaning your house all day long? Her voice sounded stern. Mr. Blick couldn't find words. I'm disappointed in you, Mr. Blick. Granny Shin scolded. This raised his ire. Mr. Blick straightened up his spine and said, If there is a way to get her to stop cleaning, I have not found it. That's interesting, Granny said, and re-examined Minty from head to toe. Minty had grown tired of the scrutiny. I'm afraid you won't find my house in good order. I'm sorry to say, I can't move like I used to. Minty cringed and glanced around. The house was not nearby. Minty saw only tall elephant grass bending under the wind. This way, Granny Shin said, and began walking down the narrow path through the grass. Minty had to push the stalks aside when Gus bent the green tips over her head. It felt very disorganized to Minty, which irritated her. There should be a proper path, Minty muttered, as if, in reply, a clump of grass bent over and whipped her on the head. I quite agree, said Granny Shin. 
Minty looked shocked. She hadn't meant for Granny to hear. I don't mean to be rude. Minty struggled through what could only be called an organized assault. The individual stalks clumped together to strike at her legs and shoulders. Minty raised her right arm to protect her face. Then some grass from her left side bent against the wind to drag its blades across her neck. And he stopped and stared at the grass. It stood defiantly straight in the wind. Granny Shin turned and said, I'm afraid the grass on the ridge has a mind of its own. I'm too old to control it. She saw the angry clump bending for another strike. She is going to chop you down if you keep that up. The grass froze mid-swing. Minty stepped past the offending clump, staring at it and then at Granny's shin. What is happening? Oh, they are just taking a measure of you, Granny said. Minty didn't know how to take this, so she ignored the comment and stepped closer to Granny's shin. Granny turned and hobbled on. Did you see that, Mr. Blick? Minty said over her shoulder. Very strange. Mr. Blick said. Watch out for that clump. Minty pointed at the grass that had struck her at the neck. Mr. Blick stepped past it easily. It had gone back to fluttering in the breeze. Minty narrowed her eyes. What kind of grass is this? Mr. Blick stepped past her and caught up with Granny Shin. Minty reached out and touched the nearest blade. It shuddered under her touch, reminding Minty of a human shiver. Minty felt a ripple of fear spread goosebumps over her skin. She ran to catch up with Mr. Blit. Granny Shin led them out of the elephant grass. Minty dusted the pollen off her dress and looked up. The soil gave way to rock that cut at the bottoms of Minty's sandals. Before them lay a narrow, flat area, about a hundred feet wide and twenty feet deep. Beyond it, the cliff continued up the mountain. Minty followed the mountain up until her neck creaked, but she could not see the top. Clouds swirled around it, pouring rain down into the caldera. Minty heard the river rushing nearby. She thought that it flowed just out of sight. She took several steps toward the river to investigate, but stopped when she saw the shack. The red fog rose in her mind. The shack, if you could even call it that looked to have been badly built long ago. Its boards were weathered and rotting in ground level. The thatched roof grass was covered with moss. The front door did not match the frame and seemed to be held shut with a length of rope. Minty's fingers began to tremble with dread. She looked for some other structure that might be the home of Granny Shin. The rock lay bare all around the shack not so much as a board in sight. I'm afraid it is not in good repair, Granny Shin said when she saw the horror on Minty's face, but it is still watertight. Minty turned toward Mr. Blick, her eyebrows furrowed. Surely the Anchor Town Council wouldn't approve of this. There must be some standards or rules, Minty gasped. Mr. Blick studied Granny Shin's house conflict in his face. It could use a few new sideboards and new thatching, but its bones are good. Minty, a lot of people outside of town live in small houses like this. 
They do not, Minty gasped. I have seen the country houses on the road to the cove. They are nothing like this. On the other side of the island, Mr. Blick said, almost all the houses are thatched and small, like this. Minty closed her mouth to hold in a whimper. It's filthy, she said. I can't live here. Minty blinked back tears. I'm sorry, Granny Shin. I don't mean to be rude. You are here as an apprentice, Granny said sharply, not as a helpless child. If something is not to your liking, fix it, Granny Shin said. She opened the crooked door with some effort and disappeared inside. The door slammed shut behind her. You are being rude, Minty, Mr. Blick said. I don't mean to be, Minty began crying. I just can't live in that. I can smell the mold, Mr. Blick. He drew a long breath in through his nose and looked out toward the ocean. I'm not eager to have you leave. If there were something I could do to keep you at the orphanage, I would do it. But this, he pointed at the rock beneath his feet, this is your home now. It may seem harsh, but this whole watery world is harsh. A thousand boys and girls around the island would give up their left foot to be apprenticed to Granny Shin. It is a great honor. But the house, Minty said. Then clean it. Mr. Blick set her crate by the crooked door. He turned and walked to the edge of the grass. Be brave, Minty, Mr. Blick said. Minty raised one hand to stop him. He walked into the fluttering grass. Minty stood rigid on the spot until she couldn't see his shape. When she couldn't see the grass moving around him, Minty took several steps forward. She heard his first footsteps on the stone steps at the cliff top. He grunted with the pain of each stair. Minty felt very alone. She cried and listened to the wind, hoping for the last sound of the wagon rolling away or Merrick's hooves on the river road. Nothing. She desperately wanted to run back to the cliff edge. Minty imagined the dash through the elephant grass. She would scream out, Take me home, Mr. Blick! And he would shrug his agreement. Minty did not move until all her tears had been shed. Every one. Minty looked at the horrible rotten shack and determined that she would never cry again. The grass stood still, each tip bent toward her. Minty cocked her head and studied the grass. It's as if you were... She started but didn't finish. She decided there was only one thing she could do. Minty would have to make a broom. She found a stick leaning against the dirty shack. That will do, Minty trudged back into the long grass. The clump of grass that had attacked her neck stood trembling in its roots. Stop looking so nervous, Minty said. I'm only using your dead stalks. Clump visibly relaxed, as long as you behave yourself. Minty sorted through the clump. The dead stalks stood side by side with the green ones. She chose a dry one and broke it off near the ground. It made a loud snap. The fiber proved to be very sturdy. Minty snapped another and began a pile. The clump held still while she worked. This will make a good broom. Minty realized she had already started talking to the grass as if it were sentient. 
She had done the same with Jenny and Merrick, the orphanage horses. She considered how the grass moved and responded to her hands. Maybe they could understand her. Jenny had always seemed to. By the time Minty had finished removing the dry stalks from that one clump, she had enough for a broom. I'm sure I'll need more for the new roof. Minty dragged the bundle of grass under her arm until she came clear of the elephant grass. She sat down and worked the straightest stalks into a bundle around the stick. Minty did not hurry, even though the red fog lay thick over her mind. A broom must be well-constructed and straight, she reasoned. The sun rose higher. Minty found vine growing over the face of the mountain that looked like the same kind the broom-maker used to bind his stalks. It took a great deal of effort without a knife. Minty found that if she drew the vine wood over a sharp rock many times, the vine gave way. The broom needed four lengths. She tied them firmly in the pattern she had seen on the broom-maker's work. Done, she declared as she stood and gripped the stick in her hand. The balance was not right. She felt that at once, but it would have to do. Minty turned toward the rotting shack. The sight of it sent a wriggling disgust through her mind. She shivered, though she was sweating. Best to get started, Minty, she told herself. Still, she couldn't bring herself to move closer to the door. The sweat that moistened her forehead dripped into her eye. She drew the back of her hand over it and felt the tenderness of sunburn. You idiot! Minty scolded herself. She'd forgotten about the sun in her urgency to make the broom and begin cleaning. Her skin would be red by now. It already felt hot and tight. The crate of her possessions still lay by Granny Shin's door. Minty found her cloth hat with a wide, floppy brim. The shade it cast on her face gave instant relief, but some damage had already been done. She must be more careful. Having such pale skin had always irritated Minty. The tropical sun never weakened. Mr. Blick had told her stories of islands far to the north where the noon sun didn't have teeth. Minty wished she'd been born there, for the billionth time, and then began sweeping the rock in front of Granny Shin's door. Had Granny Shin never swept in front of her house? Minty felt angry. The dirt lay thick over the rock, filling in the pores of volcanic pumice. She attacked it. The wind scattered the dust across the bare rock beside Granny's shack. Finally, it was done. Minty looked back at her work. It looked swept, but it did not feel clean. She started over, but all the sweeping in the world would not improve it. Minty gave up and sat down in Granny's chair. It was angled toward the sea. The breeze cooled the sweat on Minty's skin. She allowed herself to close her eyes and enjoy it. The door opened. Minty opened her eyes and saw Granny looking at her. You swept the rock? Minty nodded. Granny pushed the door back and reached for her walking stick. She saw that it was not leaning against the shack. What have you done with my stick? Minty cringed. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. She held up the broom. You made a broom of my walking stick, Granny said. I'm sorry, Minty repeated. Granny frowned. 
I've had that stick for twenty years. Minty stood and gave the broom to Granny Shin. I can untie it, Minty said. Granny took the broom with some difficulty. Her fingers struggled to open and cradle it. Did Mr. Blick teach you broom-making? Granny Shin asked. No, Minty said. This is good work, Granny said. Thank you, it is my first broom, Minty explained. Mr. Blick buys brooms for me at the market. Brooms? Granny raised an eyebrow. I tend to wear them out, Minty said. Granny glanced at the rock in front of her shack and smiled. If my stick is destined to be a broom, then I will need my chair. She walked over to the chair and sat down. The broom lay across the armrests. Her breathing was raspy, like a pipe smoker, but Minty did not smell tobacco on her clothes. Go fetch my footstool, Granny said, coughed, and added, Please. Minty looked into the shack and froze. It smelled like stale morning mouth. The walls were cluttered with dusty shelves, stacks of boxes piled up in the corners. The floor looked filthy. Minty saw a second chair with a footstool before it. She lifted one foot to step inside, but couldn't manage to complete the action. The shack was very small. Can I borrow that? Minty took the broom from Granny and reached into the shack with it. What are you doing? Granny asked. Minty lifted the stool with the broom tip and fished it out of the shack. With careful balance so the dirty stool didn't slide down and touch her hands, Minty set the footstool at Granny's feet. No, no, she stared at Minty. That's for you. Please, sit down. The red fog thickened in Minty's mind. Oh, I see, she whispered and gulped three times. Minty hooked the stool leg with the broom again and dragged it to the side. The rungs and the feet were stacked with dust. The top had been well-worn. She couldn't sit, though. She tried twice. Do you mind if I... Minty said. Granny gave her a worried look. Minty ignored her and retrieved a dust rag and a small bottle of cleaning solution from her crate. She felt relieved that she had thought to take them. With quick hands, Minty dusted the stool. Minty sat down, folded her hands on her lap, and smiled nervously. Granny studied her for a minute. Are you afraid of dirt? No, not exactly, Minty said. It just makes me uneasy. I can't think until it's clean. I'm sorry. Interesting. Granny turned her gaze to the sea. A ship had stowed anchor and unfurled sails. Granny watched the wind push the vessel out of the cove. Minty stared at the ground. She'd done the wrong thing. Welcome to the B.T. Higgins Books Podcast. You've found the home for B.T. Higgins audiobooks and other bonus content from the author not published elsewhere. I'm B.T. Higgins, author, speaker, and host of this podcast. Thank you for listening to Minty Nothing More, The House on Rocky Ridge by B.T. Higgins. Please go to the next episode to continue the story or find other stories in older episodes. This audiobook has been brought to you by The Cottonwood Project, all rights reserved. Minty's theme was composed by Eliana Colmenares.
This podcast is all about giving my work away for free so more people can find it. I appreciate your help in spreading this podcast to others by following or subscribing to the podcast, leaving a five-star review, and referring it to your friends and family. Thank you for giving this work legs. I couldn't do it without you. Find the print versions of all my books at online retailers or request them from your local bookstore or library. If you would like to have B.T. Higgins visit your school or present at your event, please go to bthiggins.com slash author dash events. You can find all the other books by B.T. Higgins at bthiggins.com slash the dash books. The email contact bthigginsbooks at outlook.com. Thanks for listening.